Welcome, wombat folk and trolls, sorcerers and orcs, to Rated RPG, the fantasy role-playing podcast where we toss dice and have fun adventures with our friends. This is the Valley of Green Gold, episode 17. By the end of our last episode, Bunny, Clubhead, and Wendell had traveled to the Moist Lands to meet Mossass, the goblin potion maker. He was submitted by Igor Vikic. They needed 100 bottles to give to Skull to pay off a debt to a land called Tan, and Mossass had about 50 bottles. In exchange for those bottles, though, they had to test his very random potions. Bunny got lucky. Uh, his potion granted him some temporary hit points. However, Club had consumed a potion of lies, and for the next two days, he can only speak in lies. Wendell's potion seemed to have no effect. The party headed down the road to look for more bottles at the Rot Grub Farm, but on their way there, they encountered three soggy swamp zombies. It took them a lot of work to just eliminate one of the three zombies when all of a sudden an axe-wielding Goliath burst through the undergrowth and with two mighty blows took out the two remaining zombies. And that's how they met Trickles the Rot Grub Wrangler, submitted by Plasto Joe. Trickles said he had plenty of empty bottles and he would give them to the party if only they would kindly spread the word back in town that he and his Rot Grub farm are totally fine, they're not dangerous at all, there's no problems. Wendell, always seeking knowledge, asked Trickles about the zombies. Where did they come from? And Trickles said that legend has it, there's a dark magic deep within the heart of Crow Island and sometimes the dead don't stay dead. With over a hundred bottles in their wagon and the sun going down on their first day on Crow Island, this is still their first day here, the party of three is leaving the Moist Lands, a location submitted by John W. Mangrum, to return to Merchant Harbor, where they hope to meet back up with Silbeth. The last one to see her was Wendell about nine hours ago. In fact, Let's go back to early afternoon, about the same time Clubhead and Bunny are meeting a land called Tan, Wendell and Silbeth are walking into Rokan's Respite. It's a little dive bar with a few rooms to rent. The place is owned by a grizzled old road manager named Rokan Raskog, an NPC submitted by Bossanova Bill. Wendell and Silbeth, you've just spent the last of your money renting a couple of rooms for two nights, and you've shared a toast in honor of Turley when Wendell you hear a very faint ticking sound. Hey, do you do you hear something? I'm not sure. What do you what do you hear? It's a ticking sound. I don't know what you're talking about, Wendell. Are are you tired or something? You can't hear it. No. Well, all the more reason for me to investigate immediately. All right, I'll be here. Put your feet up. Relax. Take it easy for a while. It's been a rough time for you. I'll be right back. Stay safe. Wendell uh, gets down off of his bar stool and heads out the back door of Rokan's respite, off in search of whatever this mysterious ticking sound is that you can't hear. Rokan comes over and says, Can I get you another? Uh, yes, I guess so. My my friend Wendell, he's he can't sit still. He's imagining some noises, so I guess I'm I'm here for a while. So sure. All right, this one's on me. I just ran out of cups to wash anyway. Just then, the door to Rokan's respite quickly opens. Roger Oakcrest comes in. He seems to be relieved to see you. Silba, there you are. Oh, hello, Mr. Oakcrest. Buttercup needs a hand with something, and she sent me to come and find you. Right now? 
Yeah, I'm afraid it can't wait. Uh, all right. I, I guess I'll take a, a rain check on that drink, Rokan. Can you tell Wendell if he comes back uh, that I went with Roger Oakcrest? All right, I'll let him know. Thanks. Roger is already hurrying out the door. He looks back to make sure you're following him. What's the problem, Mr. Oakcrest? She's always got these crazy ideas, you know, that she's going to do something and then... And then she asks me to help her, and with my knee, I can't do nothing. So, anyway, I I came into town, and uh, uh, thankfully you were at one of the first places I checked. Yeah, well, you know, I guess she's creative, huh? Who? Your wife. Oh, yeah, she's always, always doing something. As he's uh, walking through town, I want you to give me an insight check. Eighteen the other townspeople that notice Roger Oakcrest have a definite look on their face. Some disgust. Any, any people that are looking particularly sour or disgusted, as we pass them by, I just say things like, what's your problem? Ooh. What are you staring at? Uh, you, so you are, you're engaging with the uh, townsfolk. I love it. Yeah, basically, uh, you know, leave us the hell alone. Okay, give me an intimidation check. 14. You snarl at the townsfolk, and for the most part, they all stop engaging or even looking in your direction. But there are a couple who seem a bit more grizzled, who are not swayed by your intimidation, and they sneer back at you. Roger turns around, and he says, Don't pay those fools any mind, Silveth. You know, they, they hate me and Buttercup because of the dang dogs. Well, that's their problem. That's what I said, you know, like, the dogs are going to do what the dogs are going to do, and... You know, Buttercup and me, we're, we're good people. Yeah, you're good people. Uh, thank goodness you see it our way. Are we walking the whole way, Mr. Oakcrest? Yeah, I don't have a horse or a donkey or anything. What, you want to rent us a donkey? Because I don't have any money. Well, I, I kind of spent my last money on lodging, too, so I guess we're walking. Yeah, you know, it's not a bad walk unless you got uh, horrible knees like me. So, uh, are we going to your house because of the dogs, or is it something else? No, it's a, it's a buttercup thing, not a, not about the dogs. It doesn't bother you that people are, are, are staring at you and treating you badly? Of course it does, but even if I did something about it, that dang mayor would still have it in for us. That's uh, Scout Schellenberg. Oh, you're not a fan of the mayor, huh? I am not. Ever since we got here, that darn tabaxi has had it in for us. Of course, a cat person is going to hate dogs. But do you think he's corrupt? Yeah, of course he's corrupt. Uh, a land called Tan. Now, that would have been a good mayor. A real straight shooter. A businessman. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he's going to treat the office like a business? Yeah, sure. You know, a successful businessman. That's... Oh, man. <laughs> Ooh, these little hills are hell on my knee. I'm sorry, sir. Maybe, maybe I maybe we shouldn't talk so much. So you arrive back at Me Bay Beachside Estates, and as you approach the final 20 minutes or 30 minutes of your walk, more and more of these uh, stray dogs are popping up in the brush, and they're all over the place. As, as you get down to Roger Buttercup's cottage, those stray dogs are still around there. But you notice that the fence that you guys fixed for them is still holding very well, and as you enter that fenced-in yard around their house, there aren't any dogs in that fenced-in area anymore. Well, I'm glad the dogs have stayed out of your yard, Mr. Oakcrest. Whoever fixed that fence, they did a good job. Yeah, well, we were happy to help. Right, yeah. Uh, Buttercup's in the kitchen. Okay. Uh, hello, Mrs. Oakcrest. Oh, hello, Silbeth. 
I'm glad to see you. Uh, your husband says that you need some help with something? Yes. I'm making clam cakes with honey sauce, and I need clams and honey. Can you get me some clams and honey? Uh, sure. Just point me in the right direction. You can get clams down on the beach, down in the tide pools, and you can get honey from a beehive in a tree down the way. I've certainly collected honey before. I I don't know much about clams, but I'll give it my best shot. You have to go into the tide pools, dearie. You have to wade in. All right. That's the, and that's the the areas on the rocks that are wet. Right. They're little pools. And she uh, draws you a bit of a map so that you can tell where the trail down to the beach side uh, is. It's not a beach at all. It's really horrible and rocky, but she points you in the right directions. <laughs> you get down to the tide pools. It's a dreary day. Now it's about three o'clock in the afternoon, and the uh, tide is receding. Do you wade in, or do you walk the perimeter to see if you can find them? Uh, I'll walk the perimeter. And I find myself kind of fascinated by all the life in there because I really haven't ever really been to the ocean other than crossing on the ship. Give me a perception check. All right, 15. And that's when you see uh, what appears to be a large crab hiding in a deeper recessed part of the tide pool. Okay, does it um, does it appear to be alert or? It doesn't, it seems like it's just kind of hiding. Maybe it's just trying to be camouflaged to try to you know, ambush something. Again, I'm, I'm fascinated by it, but I'm going to try to stick to my mission and keep looking for clams. As you wade in, the uh, water is just up over your knees a bit, and you're able to reach all three of these clams. All right, and I'm, I'm going to keep one eye on the crab, because it seemed like it was pretty big. Yeah. And it had, I'm sure it had some mean-looking claws. Yeah. It's three or four feet across, so it's a it's a large crab. It's the size of a medium creature. Give me another perception check. Thirteen. You're keeping your eye on that one crab. Every once in a while, it will move just enough so that you, you re- kind of retrain your focus on this crab. And then you realize that crab was a decoy. There are two other crabs, though, that were very well hidden behind you. As you pick up these clams, you notice them lurching forward toward you. Roll initiative. Okay. Oh, a clam fight. (laughs) Who doesn't love a clam fight? I know. 14.13. What is your armor class, Sylvath? 11. All of a sudden, this crab out of nowhere scoots forward with his claw and pinches at the back of your thigh. He does snag you with his giant crab claw. Six bludgeoning damage as this thing pinches the muscle in the back of your leg so hard. So you take six bludgeoning damage, and for the moment, you're grappled. All right. It is your turn. What are you going to do about the situation you're in? Is escaping the grapple an action, or is it a bonus action, or, or what is it? It would be an action to, uh, to try to break free from this grapple. Okay, so I couldn't break free and disengage. Correct. Yikes. You could break free and move, but it would get an attack of opportunity. Yikes. Okay. The second crab is approaching you. And I'm down to one hit point. The fact that this crab surprised me and, like, struck out at me, I'm feeling very stressed out. Yeah, you're up to four now. Uh, Here's my check. Seven. If you would like to, you can just let the surge happen. That's true. I forgot I could do that. 
You know what? I think I'm going to. All right. Because it gives me another possible chance to do something advantageous, possibly. Maybe. So It could be great. It could be awful. Right. And give it a roll, man. It says, me and all creatures within 30 feet gain vulnerability to piercing damage for the next minute. Well, you know, on (laughs) one hand, you know that, but the crabs don't. I'm not sure if that's going to help me. But hey, it was worth trying. Yeah. I think I'm going to cast Chaos Bolt. I got an 11. The crabs got a hold of your leg, but your hands are still free. So you cast Chaos Bolt, hurling this ball of energy at the crab. You don't hit it or damage it. But doing this is enough to startle it, and it lets go of your leg. All right. You've used your action, so you can't disengage. If you try to take off and escape, the crab's going to get an attack of opportunity on you, and you have one hit point. What do you do? I guess my feeling is he's either going to hit me now, or he's going to hit me on his next turn. So I'm going to attempt to flee. All right. That crab takes a swipe at you as you high-step it to try to get away, And he misses you. (laughs) You are able to flee this tide pool now, if you like. All right. You still have the three clams. Uh, I'm hightailing it out of there then. You leave the tide pool and the crabs, and they don't chase you. They're content just staying and waiting for their next prey to uh, hop into the tide pool. Do you go back and see Roger and Buttercup? Or do you continue on to the likelihood of being stung to death? Well, I am going to drop the clams off first for sure. So you go back up to the Oakcrest's house. And uh, Roger's nowhere to be seen, but Buttercup, you know. She's in the kitchen. You can hear her banging around. Hello, I, I got your clams. Oh, where's the honey? I'm afraid I got pretty badly injured. Uh, uh, some crabs attacked me. These clam cakes are so good with that honey sauce, Silbeth. I really need it. Um, yeah, okay. You know, I, I, I'll go. I'll go. Good. I can't make the clam cakes with honey sauce without honey, Silbeth. I understand. I, I will go. And she doesn't even thank you for the clams. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing Silbeth as we do, I would say that that is a hurt that she probably feels yes. slighted. Uh, you take one level of emotional charge. So give me a roll a d20 on that. I got a one! Oh. <laughs> Roll that surge. Uh, I may teleport up to 30 feet. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, oh, I need that honey, Sailbeth. And then all of a sudden, you're just 30 feet away. In, like, shock and hurt, I just pop outside of the house. You can hear her still talking, telling you how important the honey is, even though you're well outside of the cottage. (laughs) So do you continue on to go get the honey? What do you do? I'm going to get so that I can see the tree, a safe distance from the tree where I wouldn't just be disturbing the bees yet. And I'm going to use my speak with animals ability. The bees that occupy this big uh, honey hive are not very smart. I was kind of hoping that as a hive, they might have an intelligence, you know, we'll see. As you get close to the hive, uh, some of the scout bees come down onto the trunk. What do you say to them? I, I am friend. Give me a persuasion check. I'm going to use a Tide of Chaos to uh, give myself advantage on this. I got a 15. With a 15, you sense like the bees understand what you're saying to them, but they are not swayed. They respond, no, go away, go away. Okay. Do I see uh, like a bunch of flowers anywhere nearby? Sure, there's wild flowers, big patches of them within a short distance. 
I'm going to go to the flowers. Okay. And uh, I'm going to try to collect as much pollen as I can and, and put it in, like, a piece of cloth or something. Okay. What do you do with it? I go back to where I was. I show the bees the pollen, and I say, want pollen? Give me another persuasion check. With advantage, you brought them a nice gift. 20. The bees come down the tree, trunk of the tree, and they, they look at the cloth, and they look at the gift. And then, Silbeth, you realize... Oh, yeah, bees don't really go for pollen. They go for the <laughs> nectar. The pollen is just kind of like a... That's true. It's a hitchhiker on the bees for pollen. <laughs> oh, my God, Silbeth, you made a horrible mistake. I sure did. <laughs> no! Roll initiative! I got an 11. So Silbeth was dealing with two individual sentry bees, and one of them got a 14 for their initiative. And that bee has decided that the time for talking is done. It's time to sting you. Sure it is. And it does three piercing and 12 poison damage. Uh, I am resistant to poison. All right, so we've reduced the 12 to six. Now make a constitution saving throw. 20. And with a 20, you take half of that damage. So three piercing damage which knocks you unconscious. Yes. And three poison damage, which counts as a failed death saving throw. That's enough for them. <laughs> you are currently unconscious as you fall to the ground limp. Okay. And thankfully, the other sentry bee no longer sees you as a threat, so it just stays on the tree. But Silbeth needs to make a death saving throw. You got it. A 15. All right, that is one success, but Silbeth has one failed death saving throw. So, you're in a tough spot, Brad. If you roll a natural one on your next death saving throw, Silbeth fails two death saving throws and she is dead. If you roll under 10 on your next two death saves, Silbeth is dead. If you succeed with rolls over 10 on your next two death saving throws, Silbeth is stable, but she's still going to be unconscious under this tree. Best case scenario, you roll a natural 20 and then you're conscious with one hit point. Make another death saving throw, Brad. And a natural 20. Yay! Back to one hit point. <laughs> Woo! So what do you do now? So the first thing I'm going to do uh, is I'm going to cast Expeditious Retreat on myself. Are there, like, pine trees here? Yeah, there would be pine trees here. Okay. I am going to gather a, a bunch of pine boughs. I'm going to try to sneak to the bottom of the tree, and I'm going to light those pine boughs on fire, those fresh, green, smoky pine boughs. That's a brilliant plan, I, and I think that's something that Silbeth probably would have done before. Right. So, Silbeth, you gather up the pine boughs, you light them on fire, you walk closely. Where did that bee sting you, by the way? Uh, in the shoulder. Okay, so you can't really lift your left arm very high. There's a huge, huge angry red bump there, but you hold the pine bough out, the acrid, nasty smoke gets up into the beehive, and the bees all leave. You are able to gather some honey. Excellent. I'm very sorry, bees. Yeah, they don't, they don't appreciate your empty words. As soon as I get honey, I'm hightailing it out of there. So you get back to the oak crests and you've got your honey. What container did you use for the honey? I put it in my mess kit. All your silverware, all your, your things for cooking is just kind of covered in sticky honey. Yeah. You go into the kitchen, Buttercup turns. Did you get the honey? Yes. Yes, I, I did. Uh, I 
I almost died, but I got it for you. I hope you're happy. These clams are very small, Silbeth. Next time you'll have to get bigger clams. Uh, well, we'll, we'll see about that. Okay, I have to focus now on making the honey sauce. I'll talk to you later. All right, Mrs. Oakcrest. And she essentially kicks you out of the house. <laughs> Great. I'm going to say that's another disappointment for me. Like, I really was hoping that they'd be loving parent-type figures. So I'm going to give myself another point of emotion. Roll it. 19. You save yourself from potentially fireballing buttercup and you <laughs> and you leave the Oakcrest's little cottage and you head back to Merchant Harbor to hopefully reconvene with your friends. Yeah, just just trying to grit down that disappointment. The good news is that through these physical trials, Silbeth has now leveled up to level two. Excellent. And as Silbeth limps back to Merchant Harbor from the west, our party of three is approaching the southern gates of the town, pulling a wagon full of bottles and a dead fire gecko. You guys faced some danger in the moist lands, and you've all leveled up. You're all second level now. You've matured a bit. Clubhead, it's invisible to the naked eye, but you now have a halo of spores surrounding you at all times. Yeah, now... Clubhead has a beard made out of fungus. <laughs> yeah, he's growing fungal, wispy hairs all over the place. Places he never thought he would have hair up until now. Just kidding. Okay. Those are the those are the lies that I was talking about. He's only allowed to speak lies. You're not like teenage Groot. <laughs> nice. And Bunny pulling the cart and smashing zombies was just the workout you needed. You now have a reserve of two ice cold points that you can use per long rest. And you move a little quicker. Yes, sir. And Wendell, you've come to the realization that if you are going to fulfill your destiny as you see it, you need to focus on just one school of magic, in particular, necromancy. Yes. The challenge will be to find the spells. Uh, everybody give me a perception check. 11. 13 for me. 13 for me. Uh, 15. You all see, sitting on top of a tall post on the edge of town, your old pal, the sheriff, Dandy Griffin, and he sees you guys. Uh-oh, Dandy! Yeah, he seems excited to see you, Wendell, and he flaps his great wings to come down and talk, and at the same time, Bunny, you're the only one in the group that notices, at first you're not sure what it is. Is it a monster? Something with a large hump on one shoulder, and it's limping slowly with an exhausted and pained look on its face. It's Silbeth! And she's approaching you from the west. Oh my god, is she Quasimodo? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So, so, what happened? Well, uh, I almost died twice, <laughs> and I, I'm not sure that I like Mrs. Oakcrest. <sighs> In-laws, man, I get it. Well, we ran into some zombies. It was, it was not great, honestly. Not a fan. We had a really great day in the swamp. <laughs> Everything was awesome. That sounds good. Well, I, I was almost killed by a giant crab, and then I was pretty much killed by a giant wasp, but I somehow survived. I wish you had died. Oh, hey, side note. Um, we have to do these potions and take them. <laughs> um, Clubhead can only talk in lies for like another day or so. Everything he says, you should reverse it, otherwise he's going to sound really cruel all of a sudden. Yeah, I was about to say that he was being an asshole, but... 
Up above you, uh, Dandy Griffin is circling, looking for a good spot to land as you guys are having this conversation. And he comes down and he lands nearby the wagon and he says, well, hello, Wendell and Silbeth. Wendell, I saw you coming up the way with your friends and I thought I ought to stop by and say hello. Yes, it's nice to see you. How did that homicide turn out? Oh, it was a grisly scene, Wendell. Thanks for asking, but I I got it all sorted out. Oh, what you got in the cart? Uh, we got some bottles. We're we're uh, we're collecting bottles. Oh, introduce me to your friends. Oh, okay, yeah, these. That's right. You haven't met. Um, the, these are my my best friends. Um, Clubhead and Ice Cold the Slab Monsoon, also known as Bunny. He turns his attention to Clubhead. You you are an automaton of the Thule variety, am I correct? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, Sheriff Griffin, don't mind him. He's lying today. Oh. Not on purpose, Sheriff. Have you ever heard of Moss Ass, that, that unique little goblin dude? We, we had to take these potions uh, for a thing, and he has to lie. So... Just, it's opposite day. Everything he says is opposite day, your sheriff, sir. Oh, I am familiar with Moss Ass, and you all drank his potions? Yeah, and we feel fine. Everything's fine, just some lies, and then nothing even happened when I drank mine, so. Yeah! No no big deal. Honestly, I felt stronger, so, I mean, it's 50-50. Well, I tell you, you're lucky to have survived it, because every now and then, somebody takes that little weirdo up on his potion testing proposition and they die for their troubles oh oh he keeps sneaking into town and putting his little posters up on the bulletin board we keep taking them down but there's not much else we can do well that seems a little iffy but let me tell you who's not iffy have you heard of trickles the rock grub farmer oh i have that that rock grub farmer he's got no friends around here me included well it turns out that Trickles is a hero. Hmm? Yeah. We were in dire straits. We're, we're down in the moist land, sir. We were uh, dealing with some zombies, you know, no good do-gooders. And this guy just came and saved our lives. That is a stand-up gentleman. I, I think we have a difference of opinion because the farmers and ranchers up here in the valley, they want him gone as a matter of public safety. I feel much the same. So- what has Trickles done that people are accusing him of? He's got those horrible rot grubs that he's raising out there. Has he attacked with them? Well, no, not yet, but I'm afraid that they're gonna break loose and murder us all. Yeah, why would anyone raise rot grubs? That's right, Silbeth. Silbeth's smart. She understands. So, I'm not trying to, you know, point fingers. You... You guys got a lot of loose dogs that have caused a lot more damage than these rot grubs that have done nothing. No offense. I'm just saying, if anyone's suspect, it's probably not Trickles, who's a great guy once again. Trickles seems to have control of these rot grubs, and he's using them for good purposes. Have any of you actually had to deal with rot grubs? Um, No, we didn't, because Trickles dealt with them. (laughs) Because he's such a good tamer. Yeah. We used to get rot grubs in the jungle all the time. They're terrible. They'll eat you alive. They'll rot your flesh. Why would anyone grow them? Uh, he sells their meat, Silbeth. But you're right, they're very dangerous. We inspected his farm very thoroughly and determined it was 100% safe. Well, he sounds suspect. I think Trickles has it under control. I don't want to hear another word about it. Suit yourself, Wendell. Do you know uh, what that building is that says open during normal business hours, but it isn't open and there's a ticking coming inside? Oh, yes, that's the repository. Uh, do you know when they're open? I don't. Uh, Madame Schmoopy uh, keeps <laughs> some very uh, unusual business hours. Only when the open sign is flipped over can you uh, 
uh, go inside and speak with her. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I guess we just have to keep checking. Madame Schmoopy must keep strange hours. Yes, she does. I mean, with a name like that. <laughs> we're looking for a barbarian, sir, by the way. Do you know where we can find him? Sure. Skull, he runs that brewery up to the north of town. But, of course, it's uh, getting to be after dark now, so uh, that'd be closed. You'll have to return the bottles. Is that what the bottles are for? No. <laughs> they are for the barbarian. Okay. Well, uh, you could deliver those maybe in the morning. Yes, good idea. We should get some well-earned rest, and Silbeth certainly needs to uh, rest up. Oh, my goodness. What happened to you, Silbeth? Well, I, I went to the Oak Crest because they said they needed help with something, and it turns out that the wildlife near their home are, is very dangerous. Do be careful. I don't want to have to investigate your death. Well, you came very close to investigating an animal attack. Oh, my goodness. Death. Well, that's out of my jurisdiction. I'm already really only the sheriff of Merchant Harbor. <laughs> well, it sounds like maybe I shouldn't leave my friends behind. They've all gone insane. <laughs> oh, well, that's just Crow Island for you. I almost forgot, Wendell. I got to thinking about something you said to me. Uh -huh. You said you came here to learn, and on account of you liking books so much, I thought you might like this. He sticks the end of his beak into a satchel that he's got draped across his chest. He pulls out a brown leather-bound book and drops it at your feet. Oh, wow. I pick, uh, he, uh, Wendell picks it up eagerly. Uh, you, you look at it. There's some small squiggles or little designs on the binding, but there's no title or anything. Do you open it up? Yes. You open up the first page, and where there would be a title and words, it's just squiggles and odd shapes and little marks that you cannot read. I can't read it. It's just all squiggles and marks and shapes that I can't read. Well, I thought you said you could read common. I thought you said you could read. Yeah, I can, I can read. You can't read this? No. Oh, how peculiar. I definitely can read. I can read. I can read common. I can read everything. I mean, I can read... I don't understand. This is strange. You, can you read it? Of course I can. Let me look at it, Wendell. <laughs> Silbeth, you you look over his shoulder. In fact, any of you who who can you know read common, you look over his shoulder and yeah, <laughs> that, that's a book and there are words <laughs> and they are in common. And Wendell, you have discovered what that potion did to you. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, this is weird. This must be what that potion did to me. I hope it isn't permanent. Will someone be able to read from this book to me tonight at bedtime? Oh, yeah. I love a good bedtime story. I thought you were being a little naive, Wendell. What? Naive? No. I took a potion. Well, if the potions did things to, to the other guys, then obviously your potion did something to you. It just makes logical sense. You think I'm permanently damaged? I'll never be able to read again? Potions usually aren't permanent. I hope not. Want us for two days? Let's hope for two days. Uh, here, let me take a look. Uh, what, kind of, what is this book, Jason? The book is titled How to Summon Friends and Banish Enemies, The Art of the Seal, Volume 1. Uh, this book is about banishing your friends and summoning enemies. It's the second in a two-volume uh, two uh, volume. <laughs> Eventually, it'll be useful to me. Uh, thank you so much for this book. I do appreciate it. And if you find more... Please, you know where to come. The more I learn, the better of a wombat folk I will become. 
That book was a gift to me from Lord Deputy Chris Fayle, and so uh, I'm just going to give it to you. I've, I, you know what? I am not a magic user or anything like that, so I have really no use for it. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Maybe it'll come in handy to you someday when you learn how to read again. You liar. <laughs> Sheriff Griffin? Yes? Was this murder, is this something we need to be worried about? Is there a, a killer on the loose? Is it something you need to be worried about? Uh, maybe. Is there a killer on the loose? Also, maybe. Oh, my. Do you need any help? No, I think I got it pretty well under control. I just have to keep patrolling, and maybe someday I'll witness a crime be taking place. If I'm vigilant. That seems like a pretty efficient way to solve crimes. Well, I better go back up to my lookout post. And we'll head over to Rokan's and get some rest. Yeah, we're going to try to sleep off these potions. Should we be keeping an eye out for something? Well, if you see something, say something. Uh, All right. That's a good slogan. I like that. If we see something, we say something. I'll let you know if I get murdered. And he flaps his big wings. And you notice the wind really picks up and kind of blows your hair, blows the dust around a little bit as he takes off and goes back up to his post. Uh, When he's leaving, I say, what a magnificent sheriff. He's a good guy. (laughs) Yeah, I feel safe. By the way, I had two wild magic surges today. Oh, no. In addition to the fog cloud. Well, one I just let happen. Should we be concerned? Only one was accidental, but... I can let them happen if I get emotional. Understandable. You know, emotions, they sweep through all of us. We just don't cause disturbances in the universe when they do. But you want to go sleep, huh? Yeah. You, you looking a little tired still, Beth? I need to, I need to heal up. So what do you do with the, the cart full of bottles if you're going to Rokan's? Hey, you know what, guys? Um... I have to sleep for eight hours every night. <laughs> I certainly would feel very uncomfortable standing in one spot for hours at a time with my eyes open. Hey, great idea, man. Yes, perfect. Okay, you're on watch then. By the way, I got us rooms for three nights, but I used all my money. All your money? Yes. I, I have a gigantic sapphire tucked into my vest. What? He's- you do? Yep. Wait. <laughs> no, he's... I think he's still lying, you guys. No, you guys watch uh, Clubhead stick his uh, hand into his, like, leather uh, tunic. And he pulls out not a giant sapphire, but a giant diamond. What? A subtle lie. Oh, wait. Okay, so that you lied by saying you had a different kind of gem. Yeah. The best lies have a root of truth, I've heard, so. Why do you have that giant diamond? Um... Family heirloom? Okay. <laughs> you're, you're a mystery, Clubhead. I can't lie, brother. And as you have this conversation about Clubhead's mysterious diamond, the sun sets on Merchant Harbor. The lamplighters are going about, uh, illuminating the streets the best they can. You find a nice spot for the wagon that's highly visible from the windows of Rokan's Respite. And a Rokan's Respite, by the way, is pretty packed. As you work your way into the main hall, the main room of this dive bar, the place is full. It seems like the whole town and the community around it has converged on Rokan's Respite. And as your eyes adjust to the very dim lighting, you see a bright light appear on a stage with a stool. You see a very attractive young man He knows he's attractive, too. His smile is perfect. He has a short, well-groomed goatee and long black hair. His slightly pointed ears give evidence of his half-elf heritage. 
He has a beautiful loot in his hands. It looks like a custom job. He's wearing black leather armor, not a scuff on it. An expensive looking short sword and daggers at his side. As he strums the first notes of a song, a hush falls over the room. I'm making my money as a hired hand. Selling my loving all across the land I'm a ladies man With a smooth hand When you want a friend Late at night Laying you down by the candlelight I'll make you feel alright If the price is right I'm gonna slow down And go down with you You're gonna melt down in your nightgown when we're through I'm gonna slow down when I go down with you That is if you pay me to Gonna slow down and go down with you I'm gonna make love to you I can't stay I gotta roam a cat like me ain't got no home I'm a ladies man but I'll be back again if you're in a drought I'll put your fire out ain't no doubt we'll knock it out I'll make you shout it's what I'm all about You'll scream it Slow down And go down with you Just like you pay me to And that is episode 17 of The Valley of Green Gold Thank you to Shane Loves Games for submitting Argus Hawk Song, The Resident Bard at Rokan's Respite if you've enjoyed the adventure so far, all of the thanks goes to our Patreon supporters. Not only did many of them submit NPCs, locations, and adventure hooks for this adventure, but without their generosity, we couldn't afford to take the time to create Valley of Green Gold, so thank you. Thanks to Bossa Nova Bill, Grey Wolf 99, and Unknown for supporting Rated RPG. Long live the gorgeous Phoenix Brigade! Members in good standing include Mongoose, Anna, and Scott McGrath. And thanks to Turtle and Crow and Chris Fail for making a big difference both in and out of the game, providing random loot and supporting the adventure. You can see all of our Patreon tiers and join one yourself at RatedRPGPodcast.com. Hey, I've got some great news about our friend Great White Spark. He's totally fine. He's doing great. Had a nice weekend. Went to the cinema. Hold on a second. Yeah, yeah! <laughs> I'm afraid I've got some sad news. Great White Spark was just kicked in the neck by a horse, and so now takes his rightful place in the bucket of friends. On behalf of everyone around Yield Gaming Table, thank you for enjoying the Rated RPG Podcast.